thinking about starting a little, a little different tonight than I did this morning. I think I'm going to do it. Oh, give me just a minute. I didn't do this this morning. Y'all just stay with me on the camera. Can I make it back here? Dear God, we've got to clean this up. <clears throat> Hold on. Is this on? Is this on? Hey, how do we cut this on? Yeah, yeah. That's beautiful. Hold on. This is awesome. So, <clears throat> this week was Heidi and Addie's birthday. So, I'm going to ask Heidi and Addie to stand up. Just to, just to stand up. Just to stand up. Just to stand up. I don't think I've ever done this for anybody before, so, so y'all join with me in singing. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Addie and Heidi. Don't ask them how old they are because they're women. Happy birthday to Y'all give them a hand. <laughs> I love it because um, they'll, ne they'll never try that. They'll never try to get me back. Maybe in other ways, but that's fun. Hey, um, welcome to Second Chance. I, uh, I thought about it this week. We should probably start giving trigger warnings before some of our messages. In fact, all of our messages because uh, we, the Bible is a triggering book. Which, by the way, I, that term drives me crazy. I'm triggered. <laughs> you, know, you know you're weird. But, but now I know, I know we all get triggered by certain things, but the Bible can be, let me just put it this way. The Bible is not a family-friendly book. I grew up in a Christian school. From K-4 to the fourth grade, I went to a Christian school, and they told me that the Bible is full of encouraging stories. And every time you read it, it'll make you happy and it'll fill you with joy and you'll have so much peace and you'll have, and, and, and I'm gonna give them a little credit. Some of the stories are like that. Like when David beats Goliath, now I like that story. That's a good one. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego go through the fire, man, I kind of like that story. That's, that's some good stuff right there. But then, but then there's some stories in the Bible, even if you're from a church background, that disturb you. Like, for example, Saul was king, David had killed Goliath. And <laughs> he, Saul got jealous of David, so he wanted to kind of get rid of David, but he wanted the Philistines, the enemy, to do it. So he found out that David had a crush on his daughter, and, and David wanted to marry his daughter, and, and Saul said, okay, here's the price for my daughter to marry her. 100 Philistine foreskins. Didn't learn about that in Sunday school, did you? You didn't color that picture. That would have been disturbing. You would have probably left the church, right? By the way, if you think your job sucks, think about the guy that had to count. One, two, three. Dang it, I lost my count. One. Like, that's just awkward. But the Bible is, is full of stories like that. The Bible is full of, of stories that will encourage you, that will build you up, but... The Bible is also full of stories that will disturb you. There's some disturbing stuff in the Bible. And the reason I know this is because I was reading the Bible one time, in fact, many times, but I remember the first time I got, I got disturbed by something in Scripture. It was 1990. I was brand new to Christianity, and my youth pastor gave me a Bible, and it was a new international version. Now, all I'd ever read up until that time was the King James a lot of love and a lot of respect for King Jimmy. I love the 1611 King James Bible. I love Psalm 23 in King James when Linus does the Christmas story at the end of the Charlie Brown Christmas special. He does it in the King James Version. I love it. I'm not mad at it. I don't hate it. I just don't speaketh that way anymore. And I don't hearken unto that. Like, hearken unto, like, what are you saying? Like, I don't understand that language. So there was so much of the Bible that I didn't understand. But this translation that was given to me, the New International Version, it was like translated in like 1984, and I was like, oh, oh, I get this. 
this is good. And just a side note, I teach most of the time out of the New Living Translation. Um, it's the easiest to understand, uh, which has nothing to do with y'all. It has everything to do with me. It's the easiest for me to understand. That's why I teach out of the New Living Translation. One translation isn't better than the other. Just find one you understand, okay? So I was reading through some scripture. My, my youth pastor gave me this Bible, and I was like, man, I need to, I just need to, you know what? I'm going to read through the New Testament. Here's the reason I decided to read through the New Testament, because it was shorter than the Old Testament. That's it. That's how spiritual I was. I, I wanted to be able to say, I read through the New Testament, and it's shorter. And so I started in Matthew. And Matthew chapter 1, it's a little, it's, it's got the genealogy in it, and I didn't really understand a lot about that. Now I'll read through it, and it's awesome. But, like, I didn't really get it. Matthew 5, Jesus gets this whole Sermon on the Mount thing. And I, I got a little disturbed. I got a little disturbed when Jesus said, and this is Jesus, um, if your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. Now, I, I was like, I don't, I don't think he means that literally. I think it's a, because, let's be honest, if Jesus meant that literally, and we were following Jesus, none of us would have walked in this room with a right eye, okay? Especially if you've been to Dirty Myrtle on senior week. I'm just saying you, you looked at something. You probably, anyway, so I'm reading through the Sermon on the Mount, and I get to the end, and I read a passage that bothered me. It scared me. It shook me. And, and I'm going to share the passage with you tonight, and then we're going to get into the message. Matthew chapter 7 says this. Jesus is wrapping up his sermon, and pretty close to the end, he says, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, notice the exclamation points, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. I don't know about you, but I'm all about some heaven. All right, we got two options when it comes to eternity, heaven and hell, and um, I am all about the heaven option. I'm there. Like, get me a ticket. I prayed. Jesus came in my life. I'm going to heaven, and I read this verse, and I'm like, but am I? Like, this, this scared me a little bit. So I was like, well, I'll just read the next verse. Maybe it'll be encouraging. It wasn't. It said, on judgment day. And that day's coming. I mean, it's going to happen. A lot of people are like, well, I'm, I'm glad it's coming because when so-and-so, I ain't thinking about so-and-so, I'm thinking about me. All right? On judgment day, many will say to me. Now, think about this. Many. Jesus said many. Now, if I say many, if I say there were many people there, it could be 10 or it could be 100. But when Jesus says many, that's billions of people throughout time. When Jesus said many, that's a lot of freaking people. That's the Pastor P translation. Many will say to me on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. Just a real quick question. Impressive resume, yes or no? Yeah, because I'm gonna go ahead and tell you. Um, prophesy, I have, I, okay, so I have prophesied. A lot of people would call what I do preaching prophesying, and, and I do that like every week, but I have specifically prophesied on a few occasions over a few, I don't do it often, but when God hits me with something, I try to share it, it always builds people up. So I'm like, okay, that's good. Cast out demons, never done that. I, I believe it can happen. I know people that have done it. I tried it once with a cat, didn't work, um, because cats are demons, but, but I, I, that's not me. And then performed many miracles. Now, <laughs> y'all are gonna think I'm making this up, but there was a season, I had a streak where if you called me in to pray for you, if you were sick, you died within three days. I'm not making this up, 10 in a row. I was past your death. Like if they saw me walking down the hall at the hospital, they just started following me with a body bag because I did not have the gift of healing. I had the gift of sending you to Jesus. And I, I got freaked out. Finally, I, I prayed for somebody one time that was super, super sick and they got well. And I said, I'm, I'm done. I'm not praying for, I'm, I'm gonna finish right there. I'm gonna finish with a miracle, right? So I think I've participated in a miracle, but not many miracles. This right here is an incredible resume. 
But this is where we've got to pause and understand one thing. Christianity is not about what we do for God. It's about what God has done for us through his son, Jesus Christ. That's what Christianity is about. Because at the end of the day, what could any of us do to impress God? God, I read my Bible today for 10 minutes. I spoke the universe into existence. You win today. Try again tomorrow, right? And so then I got to this last verse that says, but I will reply, I never knew you. Isn't it crazy that you can do spiritual things and not be connected with Jesus? I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. And when I read that passage of scripture, I never forget it, I was shook. I got up from my bedroom and walked to the telephone. We had a landline. Some of you are going to have to Google this. There was, once upon a time, there, there were no cell phones. We had landlines. You could tell who was rich versus who was poor because poor people had rotary dial and rich people had to push button stuff. And we had just upgraded. So we were, we were, and we had to, now people did have cell phones during that time, but if you had a cell phone, it was a brick. It was a bag. You carried it in a bag. And it, you, look, you, like, you felt important, but you looked ridiculous, but you had killer arm muscles because you had to carry that bag. Anybody have a bag phone? Anybody have a bag phone? Yeah, we all. So anyway, I, I called my youth pastor at church. He was there, and I, and I told him what had just happened. I said, I read that. I said, I am so shook. I said, can I, can I come talk to you? He's like, he was like, you know, Bob Barker on Price is Right, come on down. So I, went, I drove to the church, and I sat in his office, and we went over this scripture together, and he was like, number one, if you're that worried about it, you're in. Like, like if you're a non-Christian, you wouldn't even be worried about this. He said, but he said, just because somebody's in church doesn't necessarily mean they're in Christ. And so I was like, well, unpack that for me a little bit because, I mean, like I'm saved, but can I lose it? And he laughed. He said, no. Now, I want to pause real quick and say, I know there's some people here tonight, maybe you're watching online, that you believe that you can lose your salvation. And I will not enter into a theological debate. I will just say I would hate to live your life because if you can lose your salvation, where's the line? If God is so loving, don't you think he would have, like, shown us a line? See, our relationship with God isn't based on performance. It's based on his love. And while our performance can suck sometimes, his love never fails. That's why Jesus said this in John chapter 3, and this is where he took me. John chapter 3, he's talking to a religious guy named Nicodemus, and he said, I tell you the truth. And don't you love it that Jesus always tells the truth? He said, unless... You are born again. You cannot see the kingdom of God. I mean, pause real quick and say, I could go around this room. I could go around this room and ask you what your birthday is. And you would know. Like, how many of you have a birthday in August besides Heidi and Addie? Right? Okay, a lot of people in the room, okay? June, how many people are born in June? These are the great people in the room. A lot of people, okay, I, I was, I'm just saying that. So I have never approached a person and said, hey, man, When's your birthday? And they went, I've just kind of always been a human. I've always been a person. That's never happened. And if it did, we would get you some help, right? Because everybody knows your birthday. You don't remember it, but somebody told you about your birthday. Now, when you're born, the, you, you have a relationship with your mother and father, yes? There's nothing you can do to break that relationship. You can break the fellowship, especially in those teenage years, but you can't break the relationship. Once you're born again to a heavenly father, we can break the fellowship, but we can't break the relationship. You can be born physically once, you can be born spiritually once. That's why Jesus, everything he said, everything he did was very intentional. So with that in mind, I wanna walk us through the prayer that we say every week at the end of the service because we, we, we say it. And I never want something at second chance just to be something we do, but we don't understand why we do it. Uh, we, we say it out loud together. And some of us have said it out loud every week, but we've said it for other people, but maybe we've never said it for ourselves. And so I wanna walk through it. And here's what's gonna happen tonight. If you're a Christian, as I walk through this prayer, 
My hope and prayer for us is that we can celebrate every single thing we see because this is what Jesus has done for us. If you're not a Christian, I'll go ahead and put my cards on the table and tell you I hope you become a Christian. And if you're uncertain, I hope you walk out of this room and you've nailed it down where you stand in your relationship with Jesus. So y'all ready for that? Oh, God. That, okay, that was, so I'll give y'all another chance in a little while because that was, y'all are five o'clock. I expected better. I've been bragging on y'all all day, so y'all got to give me something because I almost took a lap at 11, okay? Here we go. We start out the prayer by saying Jesus Christ. Um, now, Christ is not Jesus' last name. It's a, it's a title because Jesus had a brother named James, and it wasn't like James Christ, Jesus Christ. By the way, wouldn't that suck to have Jesus as your older brother? Why can't you be more like Jesus? Anyway, Jesus Christ is how we start the prayer. Now, this name right here, that's important, because if I walk into a room, a crowded room, and you're in the room, and I say, yo, you might look, you might not, because you just heard yo. But if I walk into the room and go, Paul, well, Paul's probably gonna look. And Jennifer's probably gonna look too, but like Paul's gonna, Paul's gonna look because I called him by his name. When we pray, when we, when we pray that prayer at the end, we, we say the name of Jesus. Now, I'll have people say, well, I'm a, I wanna give my life to God. And I pause right there and I say, that's good. But you need, to, you need to think for a second because when you say God, you can mean a lot of different things. It means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. If you're talking to a Muslim, it could mean Allah. If you're talking to a Hindu, it could be one of their over one million gods. If you're talking to a Buddhist, they actually don't believe in God. They believe you ultimately cease to exist on their eightfold path. It's really weird, but like that's what they believe. If you're talking to a new ager, they think you're talking to them because they ultimately think they are God. So when you say God, you, you are opening up. But when we say the name of Jesus, it erases all doubt who we're talking to. When we baptize people, we baptize people, I will say, call you by your name, I'll say, who is your savior and Lord? And the answer is Jesus. There have been a few times in that tub when we have it set up right there that somebody has said, God, and I've said, try again. I am not putting you under the, you, you, got, you gotta get this one right. God, it's no. They, I've, Jesus, is it Jesus? Yeah, that's him. Say it, Jesus. Okay, boom. I, I get them before they can change their mind. I want, I'm, I'm, and I'm serious about this. When we pray, Jesus said, pray in my name. I, I want us to preach and teach and talk about the name of Jesus. Hey, you wanna see something funny? Watch an athlete on TV win a big game and say, I like to thank God and everybody claps, but that same athlete will say, I would like to thank Jesus and the media goes nuts. You know why? Because there is power in the name of Jesus. That's why they told Peter in Acts 4, hey, bro, you need to knock it off. You can't talk about Jesus anymore. And Peter's reply was there is, there is salvation and no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. So salvation starts by proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ, King of kings, Lord of lords, high, exalted, mighty, all-powerful, risen, and one day coming back for his church. Man, I'm starting to feel something. That lab's gonna happen. So we say, Jesus Christ. Now, the next part is kind of tough for some people, but I'm gonna make everybody feel better about it. I know that I am a sinner. You're sitting next to a sinner right now. In fact, tell your neighbor, just look at him and say, you're a sinner. You don't, now you don't have to start listing their sins if you're married. Just, just tell them they're a sinner. I did that to divert y'all so I could get a swig of water. There are two groups of people in the world that, that, that debate, it's a philosophical debate. And the debate is this. Are, there's one group that says children are born sinful, and there's another group that say children are born pure and innocent, and they learn how to be sinful. Now, the, the group that believe children are born sinful are called parents, <laughs> and this group 
are called academics with no kids. I mean, that's, am I right, parents? Parents, did you have to teach your kid how to sin? There's not a parent in this room that's like, man, I'm struggling, why? My, my, my kid, he just won't be selfish. He won't be self-centered. He's nice. He lets us sleep at night. He, like, kids are sinful. I realized this. When I was, so I was a children's pastor for, for about a minute one time, I, and it didn't last long um, because I told y'all before, when you start having dreams of punting children, you need to get out of children's ministry. So that's where I was. But I remember I was with the preschoolers one time, and whoo, <laughs> if you think you're called to children's ministry, we're going to stick you with the preschoolers first because if you can, listen, if you've worked with preschoolers, you read the story of Daniel and the lion's den, you're like, big deal. I mean, I work, so anyway, I'm with these preschoolers and they're like two, three years old and I never will forget this one little boy had this little stuffed lion. We had these little stuffed animals, little stuffed lion, he's holding it, he's loving on this because we just talked about Daniel and the lion's den, which is terrifying by the way to children, right? Hey, like God showed up for him, Daniel, he might not show up for you. And if there's lions in your room tonight, you might die. Like, don't tell your kids that. Anyway, he's holding this little lion. He's holding it so tight. And this other kid, I, I know you've seen this, walks up and just rips the lion away from this kid. And this kid, we got a couple options. This kid can either melt down or take, like, become a terrorist and take the lion back, right? I watched this kid. I've never seen anything like this before. This kid literally bites the other kid right in front of me. And Pastor Pete, what'd you do? I stared, I was fascinated. I'd never seen anything like this. Like, and he was latched on too. It was like, he was not letting go. And, I, and, and when the kid screamed, went into like the second minute, I realized I needed to do something. So I, but how do you separate that? Because like I grew up in the country when dogs used to fight, we'd separate them with a hose pipe. But I didn't have a hose pipe in the kid's area, which we might need to get one of those. Anyway, I'm watching this. And I'm thinking, oh, kids are born sinful because you know what I know about this kid? He didn't learn that behavior. He didn't see his dad walk into the kitchen and the mom say, did you take trash out? Oh, you didn't. <laughs> like, that, that's just weird. Nobody does that. And if you do, stop it. It's weird. Knock it off. I'm just saying, we are every inclination in us, every inclination is towards sin, which is why church is so necessary, which is why getting into the word is so necessary, which is why prayer is so necessary because it resets us, it refocuses us because if we just let ourselves drift, we will always drift towards what is sinful. Now, some people are like, well, that's kind of judgmental to call me a sinner. I didn't, I didn't call you a sinner. Bible did. Paul said it, Paul said it. In Romans chapter three, verse 10, as the scriptures say, no one is righteous, not even one. And I've, I know this is true because as a pastor, nobody's ever called me and said, Pastor P, I'm struggling with being righteous. I am so righteous. I'm starting to glow. I've got a halo. Angels are forming around me. Because if that happened, I would say, listen, I've been to rehab. It's not a big deal. We're going to get you checked in. You're going to be all right. And just to follow it up, Paul said this just a few verses later. He said, for everyone has sinned. Everyone in the Greek means everyone, right? Everyone has sinned, and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Well, Pastor, you don't know. What is God's glorious standard? Perfection. Perfection. And if we're not perfect, we fall short. Next part of the prayer is, and I need you as my Savior. Now, when I was three, I got ran over by a horse. True story. My aunt, Edna, who I don't talk about often. Stop it, Heidi. Stop it. <laughs> Heidi and I are related. 90% of my aunt Edna stories could not be told in church, even second chance church. But aunt Edna was riding a horse named Claude, True story. I was about three years old. I wasn't paying attention. My dad, I barely remember this, but my, my dad and mom told me this story many times. They were about 75 yards away. And Clyde was a good horse, except on this day, he lost his mind and ran over me. Now, my back was to the horse. I, I didn't really see it coming. But the horse's hoof caught me right here. Whoa. That's what I did in my pants. Um, 
Sometimes you gotta roll with what just happened. So anyway, pull those up a little bit. The horses who've caught me right here and literally, uh, fortunately, I was over a mud puddle and the horse like pushed my head down into the, the mud puddle. And I, mud went up my nose and in my mouth and I stopped breathing and I passed out. Now my dad was 75 yards away and he took off running and he made it to me. Now when he got to me, I didn't need encouragement. You can do it, buddy. I didn't need a Bible verse on a postcard. I needed someone to save me because I was helpless. My dad reached down, he picked me up, he turned me over, he sucked the mud out of my nose. And to some people that's gross, but the only people it's gross to are the people that don't have kids. Because if your kid is hurting, you would do whatever it took. He sucked the mud out of my mouth. He saved me. And that's what God did for us through his son, Jesus. Because nobody in this room, none of us could save ourselves. How many times have we said, I'm going to do better, I'm going to try harder? How's that working out for us? And God said, you can't save yourself. That's why I, as a, am a loving father, am sending my son to take care of your sins. Oh, I just love that stuff. He's so good, right? So let's keep going. And I need you as my savior. I believe you died on the cross, which is, which is pretty important. And listen, I believe Jesus died on the cross and I don't believe Jesus died on the cross because the Bible said so. It's better than that. I believe that Jesus died on the cross because there was a man named Matthew and Matthew was sitting behind a tax collector's booth and Jesus walked up to Matthew one day and said, follow me, which is unreal because tax collectors were some of the worst people in society and Matthew started following Jesus and he followed Jesus and he, he eventually wrote down the entire story about Jesus and we have it in the Bible. It's called the book of Matthew, right? And then we have Mark. Mark was around when Jesus got arrested. There's a little verse about a little naked man running in, in Mark, I think it's chapter 14. It's kind of funny. You can go look for it. Um, but that, that was Mark. And, and Mark sat down with Simon Peter. Most scholars believe Mark sat down with Simon Peter and wrote out Simon Peter's story of Jesus. Luke, who wrote the gospel of Luke, um, like told Theopolis when he started, I have made a careful investigation of all the things I'm gonna share with you. And Luke wrote about it. And then John, who was a fisherman, and, and Jesus came up to James and John and said, follow me. And John followed Jesus and he wrote down the story. We have four historical documents. And, that, that, and just not only four, we have at least, there's way more than that. It's kind of like, I believe George Washington was the first president of the United States. Now, if you're, I know there's somebody that you're a conspiracy theorist and you don't believe that and you're a flat earther and all that stuff. Um, and, and that's great. If that's you, praise the Lord. I'm glad you're here. Um, but I believe that George Washington was the president, first president of the United States because we have accurate historical documentation that he was first president of the United States. And both Joe Biden and Donald Trump were there to see his inauguration. They were at his inauguration. Those guys are old, y'all. Thank God they're old. <laughs> and they're both going to jail. Anyway, so I believe it. I believe Columbus discovered America in 1492. And I don't believe it because I saw it. I believe it because I read about it. There's historical documentation showing that Columbus discovered America in 1492. And Donald Trump and Joe Biden were both there. They saw the whole thing. Donald Trump said, it's a very, very great country. So glad you're here. And Joe Biden said, and then, and then Columbus left. He went back. But but we have historical documentation, then we believe other things. There is so much evidence that Jesus Christ died on the cross. Why, why did he die on the cross? Why, why did Jesus have to die on the cross? Well, it's, it's real simple. I, I'll get to it, not next point, but the point after. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave. <sighs> I got a buddy, had a bucket list trip to go to Israel. Anybody, anybody, would that be on your bucket list? You'd love to go to Israel? Oh, okay, It's a lot of people. It's so, y'all, you know, it's such a great place. 
The food is amazing. It's just, mm. it's my favorite place in the world to go. Favorite place. He got to go, his bucket list trip. He saved up his money. He took his wife, took his parents, and took her parents, his in-laws. And they got over there. They'd been there for three days. And his mother-in-law had a stroke and died. And they got in a hospital. They were freaked out. I mean, obviously, nobody expected this. And the guy at the hospital, who was so cool, he said, listen, man, he said, um, we, we, this is awful. He said, we can bury her here in Jerusalem. And um, we got this, it'll it, it just cost you $500. We'll take care of everything. Or you can fly her back to the States for $5,000, and y'all can take care of it over there. And the guy didn't miss a beat. He said, fly her back to the States. I'll pay five grand. So they did, take the body away. The guy turned around, he asked my friend, he's like, so I got a question. $500 buried in Israel, what's the deal? My friend said, listen, 2,000 years ago, y'all buried a guy here in Jerusalem. (laughs) He came back to life. And I cannot take that chance on my mother-in-law. <laughs> I completely made that story up. I just, I just wanted to make sure y'all are paying attention. <laughs> if you're sitting next to your mother-in-law, it's weird right now, but, but the fact is that Jesus rose from the grave. This is what sets Christianity apart. So I've had somebody say, Christianity says it's elite. No, our, all Christians pretend to be elite. I'm not trying to pretend to be elite. I'm just saying when it comes to like, the supernatural, we've got the corner on the market because if we go to the tomb of Muhammad, he's in there. And if we go to the tomb of Buddha, he's in there. But if we go to the tomb of Jesus, there is a sign that says he is not here. He is risen, which by the way, gives him authority to to do some stuff. And this was so awesome about being a Christian is it's not that Our life sucks, and then when we get to heaven, it's better. Jesus comes to live inside of us, and that resurrection power that brought him from the dead lives in us, which means in him, nothing is impossible. And the apostle Paul was so passionate about this when he's writing to the church in Corinth, which talk about a messed up church, by the way, but this is what he said in 1 Corinthians 15, 14. And if Christ has not been raised then all our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the dead to pay for my sins. Now I got quiet in the 915 service this morning and not a reverent quiet. It was like, I don't understand that quiet. A little bit in the 11 o'clock service and that was puzzling in the moment. I didn't figure this out until 9.15, right, right in the middle of the service. If somebody does wrong, somebody's got to pay. Now, if you're around my age, I'm 52, you get that because you grew up, more than likely, with a mother and father who didn't mind giving a whooping. Not a whipping, a whooping. There is a difference. I can still hear my father's belt going through the loops and that meant my party was over. My mama came to my school one time and spanked me in front of the principal. Now, I'm not for beating. I'm not for abuse. But today, we don't, we try to talk to our children. What's your truth? What's your truth? Tell me your truth. The truth is they're a brat. You need to wear them out. That's the truth. I want to help you right now. Anyway. Um, so I understood payment for sins, uh, and, and you do too. Let's say you walked out in, in the parking lot and somebody had hit your car. None of you, none of us would be like, that's okay. I'm sure they didn't mean to. It'll be all, no, no, no. You, you'd be like, somebody's got to pay. Am I right? Same thing with sin. When we sin, somebody's got to pay. Now, there's a couple options. We can pay or we can accept the price that Jesus paid. Now, the, pl- the way we pay is a place called hell. 
I believe in hell. I believe it's a real place. I, I, I don't even have the time to unpack theologically why I believe that. I know some people don't believe it's a real place. It's very real. But I don't like to talk about it a lot. I like to talk about Jesus and I like to talk, I like to talk about heaven. See, when we, when we accept Christ into our life, we don't ever, that, listen, he, hell, earth, this is the closest we'll ever come to hell. But you reject Jesus, this is the closest to heaven you'll ever come. I believe, I believe you died on the cross to pay for my sins. And this is what's so cool, is when we accept Christ into our life, he gets to remove all the guilt and shame that we've tried so hard to medicate ourselves through. Because Paul also said in Romans, um, therefore, so there is no condemnation for those who go to church. Didn't say that. He said there's no condemnation for those who, are, who belong to Christ Jesus. And then we say this, we say, and right now, and right now, I declare you as Lord. And this comes back, this comes back to that Jesus Christ. Christ is a title that means Lord. And this is, this is where it, this is where it hits the fan for a lot of people. This is the sticking point. I had a friend that was in church for 14 years. In fact, nine months before he was born, he was in church. And he went all the way up to 14. And when he was 14, he prayed to receive Christ. And you would think the church would be happy, but the church was shocked. And the reason they were shocked is because he was there. It was a Baptist church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And if there was a rumor that the church was open, his mama threw him in the car and drove him down to church. He was always in the church. He was in church, but he wasn't in Christ. And when people started talking to him about it, he explained. He said, oh, I knew the message. I knew the gospel. I understood it forever. He said, I just wasn't sure I wanted to give control of my life over to God. And with some people, it's a control issue. I'm a control freak. I'm a control freak. I would ask the control freaks in the room to raise your hand, but you wouldn't do it because you're like, you ain't telling me. Raise my hand. I'm a control freak. You can ask Shannon. I got to have the remote. I got to drive. She drove recently, but I was high from surgery. <laughs> I need to clarify. If I go somewhere and they tell me where to park, I get mad. I'm a control freak. And, and that was my issue too. I'm like, I'm not sure I want to give my life to Jesus because if I give my life to Jesus, he's going to want to send me to a foreign country. I don't want to go to a foreign country. I thought if I gave my life to Jesus, he's going to mess it up. But then I realized I've done a real good job of that all by myself. When, when we submit our plans and our hands to the will of God, it's amazing how much better everything gets in his time. Two things happen when we say this. There's immediate change, and I've had some people tell me they felt it. I've had some people tell me, you know, they, this is where we gotta have faith. Let me tell you what happens. A transaction takes place. We give him all of our wrong, and Jesus gives us all of his right. He power washes our soul and makes us into a... We don't go from being a bad person to being a good person. We go from being a dead person to being an alive person. That happens to everybody that prays to receive Christ at the moment they, they pray to receive Christ. And then the next thing that happens is ongoing change. As we walk with Jesus, he continues to change us for the rest of our life for the rest of our life. Can you imagine when you pray to receive Christ, those of you that have prayed, if God would have told you everything he wanted to change about you the moment he saved you? You'd have been like, oh, I don't know. Oh, I don't know about that. It's ongoing change. He's, we are all a work in progress. Amen? For example, last Sunday night, last Monday morning, it happened Sunday night. Last Monday morning, I'm on the phone. This is what's funny. I'm on the phone with one of the, like, the godliest friends that I have. He lives in another state. He don't go to this church. But, because some of y'all looking around, who is it? Um, and I got my truck. 
I realized that my truck had been broken into the night before and they stole my guns. I had a, I had a little 38 special, hammerless, and then I had a gun that Shannon gave to me as a wedding present. That's how you knew she was God's woman right there. It was, it was special, it was engraved. And, and I got angry. Now, when I get angry, like when I get super angry, I don't yell, I don't scream, I just get silent. And on the way to a staff meeting at church, five minutes in, this is what I said, I don't want the guns back. I just want five minutes in the room with the guys that stole the gun alone. Were you going to witness to him, Pastor P? <laughs> right after I beat the, you, that, that's how I felt. I wanted to physically, somebody asked me, what if it had been like three or four? That would have been better. That would have felt good. I've been there before. Like I was, I, I wanted, I literally wanted to physically hurt somebody. I'm just confessing sin right now. It feels so good. And then, still on the way to staff meeting, God started working on me. It was like, you know, your truck was parked about seven feet from your front door. And they didn't come in your house. They didn't hurt your wife. They didn't mess with your dogs. But instead of focusing on what you lost, focus on how much you got. He started working. By the time I got to church, I still wanted to beat him up, but not as bad. I, I, I just, I'm just saying, the the... The, the thing that we think is, let's say this is the cross. This represents conversion. And if you're on this side of the cross, the thing that a lot of people think is once you pray to receive Christ and you get on this side of the cross, that you never sin. But let me just tell you all something that most preachers won't tell you. And I know this is true of me. I've messed up way more on this side of the cross than I ever did on that side. The difference on this side isn't that I'm holding on to God. The difference is God, through his son Jesus, is holding on to me. And every time I fall down, he just picks me back up. See, over there, you got nothing to help you back up. This side, you got the power of the risen Savior that came back from the dead. That means we can overcome anything. That's why, that's why, Paul said it this way in Romans chapter 10, verse nine. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord, that's why we pray it out loud, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Not you might be, not you could be, but you will be saved. So we finish it off with, Come into my life and take over. In Jesus' name I pray. See, we start it and we finish it with Jesus. We, we are all about the name of Jesus. And I know if you're thinking in this room or you're watching online, Pastor P, that was, sure was a great presentation, but you don't know my story. I don't, but the Lord does. And he threw this little, this little verse in for people, because I, I used to be like that too. He threw this verse in for people like us. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Isn't that, huh, kind of sounds like good news. Now, this is what's cool. I'm coming up on the seven-year anniversary that I graduated from rehab. And I'm, I'm telling you, that, that, it was a, I got some more thoughts that I'll share at another time, but I can, I can go ahead and tell you, leaving rehab that day could have been the scariest moment of my life because I had all question marks and no answers. I didn't know what I was coming back to. I didn't know what was gonna happen. There were so many things that were uncertain, but I had something 
nobody could take away. And it's called peace. Pete, there, there's, there's something right here. I just knew, even though I didn't know what was gonna happen, I knew that everything was gonna work out. I, had to, I almost, like that old hymn says, I, it is well with my soul, way down deep. I knew it was okay. And I want that for everybody in this room, everybody watching online. So pray with me. Jesus, I just want to thank you right now for every person in this room that's a Christian. If you're a Christian right now with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, just take a moment to thank Jesus for saving you. I thank you, Jesus, that you really do give us that peace that passes all understanding. Jesus, I thank you that your grace is amazing, that you change us and you keep changing us and loving us through that change. I thank you, Jesus, that there are so many people in this room tonight that know that everything is well. There's some of us that just don't know. And I pray, Jesus, over these next few moments, you'll make it so clear. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Y'all pray with me. Father, I want to thank you today, God, that we can have that kind of assurance to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that it is well in the deepest part of our lives. And when things are going crazy on the surface, God, things over our head, they're still under your feet. I thank you for that. And right now with heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to ask you, do you know? When was it in your life that you prayed to receive Christ? Now, I remember mine. It was May 27, 1990 for me. And maybe you don't remember the exact date, but you know you were eight at vacation Bible school, your grandma's church, or you were 10 years old in your, in your bedroom. Or maybe as you look back over your life, there's never been a time. And tonight's your night. I'm, I want you to pray and accept Christ. That's why we did church today for you. So if you're here tonight and you want to pray to receive Christ, I'm going to lead you in a prayer and I want you to pray this out loud. And then Second Chance family, we're going to pray it with them. And we're going to pray it with them to encourage them, but also to celebrate what Jesus has done in our own lives. So if you want to pray to receive Christ, Pray this with me in Second Chance Fam. Let's pray it with them. Just say right where you stand, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. I know that I'm a sinner and I need you as my Savior. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for my sins. And right now, Jesus, I declare you as Lord. Come into my life and take over. In Jesus' name I pray. Now, head's still bowed and eyes still closed. I just want you to have a seat. I just want you to have a seat. Just have a seat. Father, I pray these next few moments would just be so powerful and so real for so many people in this room. With heads still bowed and eyes still closed, if you prayed to receive Christ, I just want you to look up at me. Just look at me. Just look at me. If you just prayed that prayer, I want you to look at me. You just made the best decision you've ever made in your life. I'm so thankful for you, and I'm so proud of you. Jesus, when he died for our sins, he did it publicly. So I'm going to ask you to do something. In just a second, I'm going to count to three. And if you're looking at me, if you pray that prayer and you receive Christ tonight, I just want you to stand up right where you're sitting. I want you to stand up, take your first public stand for Jesus in this room. And everybody else, they're going to clap, they're going to cheer, but stay seated. If you didn't, if you didn't pray to receive Christ, stay seated because everybody stands up and it gets crazy and confusing. But if you just pray to receive Christ, 
and you're looking at me, or maybe you didn't look up, but you knew you needed to, I'm gonna count to three, and when I hit three, I just want you to stand up and remain standing. One, two, three. If you prayed to Jesus Christ, stand up. You might be the only one standing, but stand up. Stand up. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you so much. That was so cool. I had some more, I have more people looking at me. I have more people looking at me. I'm not gonna call you out. Stay standing. If you don't mind, stay standing. Because I want you, I want y'all to see what courage looks like. I want y'all to see what courage looks like. Anybody else? I had some more people looking at me. Anybody else? Listen, I'm not going to do the high pressure thing. I'm not going to do it. Thank you so much. Y'all remain standing. Y'all remain standing. Y'all look at this. That is so, see what you did? God used your courage to encourage them. And God used their courage to encourage somebody else. Anybody else? Anybody in, the, anybody in the middle section? Anybody over here? I know somebody over here got saved. I know, I know what happened. I know some people in the middle did too because y'all were looking at me. Anybody else? Hey, right there, right there, right there. See, this is exciting, y'all. Y'all keep standing. See what happened? See what you started? Anybody else? Anybody on this side? Anybody on this side? Anybody? You pray to receive Christ. Anybody else? Listen, everything in me, like I want to cry, scream, and beg. I'm just going to say one more time. And this is a heartbeat thing. I always say this. If your heart's about to beat out of your chest, that's not me. That's Jesus saying, let's get this done. So if anybody else in this room prayed to receive Christ and you need to stand up, I want you to do it right now. Anybody else? Hasn't this been an awesome day? Do me a favor, if you're near, if you're near one of these incredible people that stood up, would you would you just kind of put your hand on the shoulder and I wanna I wanna make sure they get prayed for as we leave and y'all let's just let's just let's just pray for them father i thank you so much that all day today in every service people have gone public for you god i want to thank you for these incredible people that took a stand in this room tonight god i pray that right now they would experience just a peace in their god they would feel it like they have never experienced before as they walk out of this room tonight, they would know that you, Jesus, you met them here. Before you even created the world, you had this meeting all set up so they could hear the gospel, have a chance to respond. I pray they would walk in peace. I pray they would walk in hope. I pray they would walk in victory. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody that agreed said amen. Isn't it awesome to see people receive Christ and go public? for the Lord. Man, I love you guys so much. Don't miss next Sunday as we continue this series. Y'all have a great week.